Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the Roto-World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short and we're here to go through everything happening in fantasy baseball, including a bunch of high-profile injuries, Trevor Story and Rich Hill among them, key returns like Stanton, Judge, Altuve, Springer, waiver wire pickups, call-ups, closer situations, and much more. To dig into all that with me here is Drew Silva. Drew, are you ready to roll here? Yeah, man. Let's do it. Uh, we got a lot to get to, actually, this yeah. week. Um, a couple of notable injuries here at the top of the show. Uh, Trevor Story was placed on the injured list Thursday after suffering a right thumb sprain while sliding into second base in the Rockies' win over the Diamondbacks on Wednesday night. Uh, the severity of this injury is still unknown. Story uh, was still undergoing tests by the time we started recording here on Thursday evening, and he also has a, a a visit with a hand specialist on, on Friday in the Phoenix area. Uh, but it seems like everybody involved is preparing for some bad news. Um, you might remember that Story tore a ligament in his left thumb back in 2016, wound up missing the final two months of that season. It was his standout rookie year, uh, still finished fourth in the NL Rookie of the Year voting. Um, so we could be talking about another multi-month absence here. It's not really worth speculating yet. There should be more information up on uh, Roto World's player news page come Friday afternoon or, or evening. Uh, Story was the 19th overall pick in the average Yahoo League this spring and had delivered first round value so far with a, a nine or 294 batting average, 907 OPS, 17 home runs, 12 steals. Uh, currently leads all major leaguers and runs scored. One of only two players uh, with 15 plus homers and 10 plus stolen bases. So uh, it's obviously a, a big loss all around. Uh, Brendan Rodgers was recalled from AAA Albuquerque in a corresponding move on Thursday afternoon when the Rockies placed Story on the injured list. And, and he's definitely worth trying again in fantasy. Rodgers underwhelmed in his first call-up, but the playing time was spotty. And he should be more of an everyday guy now with, with Story like to, likely to miss significant time. Um, they're playing Pat Valeka, I saw, on, on Thursday night, but he hasn't done much and his time in the majors this year. And Rodgers is a really good prospect. Um, has batted 350 with a 413 on base percentage and 622 slugging percentage in 160 plate appearances this season at the AAA level. Uh, good power, also has some speed, had 12 stolen bases last year. Uh, was a top 10 prospect coming into the season, according to MLB.com's rankings. You have the course field effect there for him. Um, I think it's all laid out there for, for Rodgers to be like an in-season post-type breakout guy in fantasy, uh, especially if we find out that Story does have ligament damage or is going to be out several weeks. Yeah, Rodgers is a definite pickup for sure in, in even most mixed leagues, I'd say. 
Um, another one here, high-profile injury, Rich Hill was forced to leave his start against the Giants on uh, Wednesday night after he came down with left forearm discomfort. Uh, he was warming up for the second inning and had to leave. Um, Hill re- told reporters after the game that a very preliminary ultrasound showed that his elbow ligament is intact, but an MRI was still scheduled, so um, we should have more clarity on the situation soon. Still, with the All-Star break coming up and, and the Dodgers you know, just so good, there's no reason to rush things here. Um, so you have to think it'll be a little while, uh, maybe, you know, maybe a month or so, possibly even like best case scenario. Um, Julio Arias is making the spot start on Thursday, um, but the Dodgers have options. Uh, Ross Stripling was essentially banished to the bullpen just as a victim of a, a numbers game and has barely pitched out of the bullpen either. He's, he's been sparingly used. Um, but of course, he was great out of the Dodgers rotation last year. Uh, made some starts to begin this year. Wasn't quite as good, but um, if Stripling does get an op- another opportunity, he would definitely be worth a pickup in a mixed league. And if it sounds like Arias is going to get an extended opportunity, he'd be worth adding as well. So uh, definitely keep an eye on that situation. Uh, and if it's a really competitive league, maybe you want to speculate right now. But um, there are some rotation options out there. We should also mention that Royals shortstop Adalberto Mondesi was placed on the injured list Thursday afternoon with a groin injury. That was kind of right before we started recording here. Um, it doesn't sound too serious. Uh, they, they, the injury happened on Monday night, and they tried to keep him active, but he just hadn't recovered, and they couldn't play a man short um, in their middle infield. Uh, so hopefully he's just gone for the minimum. That would be nine days because they, they made the mood rec- retroactive to Wednesday, or actually retroactive to Tuesday. Um, Mondesi has pretty much met the hype this year, um, at least in some ways. League high 27 stolen bases, 44 RBIs, 40 runs scored through 70 games. Um, so good fantasy production there. Not quite the home run pace he set last year, uh, but we we warned you that wasn't going to happen in our in our positional preview episodes. But I mean, he was the the 40th overall pick on average in NFBC. It was more in the 60s on like Yahoo, which is more casual. Um, but I, I saw him going really high in leagues, and he's he's pretty much delivered what, what we expected him to do. So moving on here to uh, the Marlins starting pitching, which has been more of a conversation than I think any of us expected uh, yeah. coming into the year. And, you know, we've done all these uh, chats recently on Instagram, um, and I feel like one of the most popular questions I've had recently since Jordan Alvarez has been called up by the Astros is when is Zach Allen going to come up? And we're finally going to see that Thursday, thankfully. Yeah, we'll, we'll make his Major League debut against the Cardinals, the team that traded him away in December 2017 as part of that package for Marcelo Zuna. Um, Gallen wasn't like the centerpiece of that of that deal at the time, but it looks like he might become the centerpiece moving forward, depending on what Sandy Alcantara uh, winds up being. Uh Gallon had posted a 1.77 ERA, 0.71 whip, and 112 strikeouts with just 17 walks over 91 innings this season at AAA New Orleans. Just outstanding numbers. He doesn't necessarily have like eye-popping plus-plus type of stuff, um, but he's really well-polished for, for being age 23. Fastball in the low to mid-90s, a really good cutter. Um, that should help him get outs against left-handed batters, uh, change-up curveball, so a big arsenal, and he commands it all really well. Uh, coming into the year, he was projected more as like a back-end starter at the major league level, but given the numbers he put up 
in the minors this year with, you know, the juice ball now being used at AAA. I think there's reason to be much more optimistic about his future. He, he's a must-add for me in all mixed and certainly NL-only fantasy leagues, just given the numbers that he put up at, well, at AAA New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, in a specific Coast League, too. Um, yeah. We've seen some of the, like, video game numbers in the Pacific Coast League this year. So for him to put up those kind of numbers is really insane. And it also sounds like he's picked up some velocity this year. So while, you know, you look at the prospect rankings coming into the year, even, you know, from an organizational perspective, you know, Gallon wasn't really high. So this is kind of seems weird for him to sort of come out of nowhere. But I think adding some of that velocity might explain at least some of that success. Um, Gallon is getting the start in place of Pablo Lopez, uh, who landed on the injured list Wednesday with a right shoulder strain. Uh, it could be a while before Lopez returns, which is unfortunate. Uh, he'd been pitching really well lately and overall this year, a 1.80 ERA in his last four starts. And then for the season, a 1.12 whip, 73 to 18 strikeout to walk ratio and 76 total innings. And um, he was mostly off the grid in fantasy draft this spring like a lot of the Marlins starting pitchers. The strain is considered mild. That's according to MLB.com's Joe Fasaro. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the Marlins are rebuilding, and they have to think about innings counts anyway with their with their young pitchers. So I, I doubt he's going to be rushed back. Um, I think it'll be at least a month and maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, and then Jordan Yamamoto, Yamamoto is another Marlins starter we have to talk about. Uh, he was called up last week and has thrown 14 scoreless innings over his first two major league starts, both against the Cardinals. Uh, 12 strikeouts, just five hits allowed over those 14 shutout frames. Uh, he was part of the Marlins' return for Christian Yelich, so you know, Miami's finally starting to reap, reap some reward, some rewards from that fire sale a couple of off-seasons ago. Um, Yamamoto has been pitching in place of Caleb Smith, who is currently on the injured list with left hip inflammation. Uh, but seems to be nearing a minor league rehab assignment that could happen maybe this weekend, and then maybe he's back uh, in the Marlins rotation next weekend. Uh, definitely, I think, back in the mix around late June, possibly early July. Um, Elizar Hernandez could be shifted back to the bullpen to make room for Smith. I think they'll keep Yamamoto up in the rotation, given what he's done so far. I guess we'll see what he does in his, his third major league start. Uh, but Hernandez has pitched pretty well, too. Um, so it's it's the old good problem to have for the Marlins, and like you said, I don't think very many of these guys were were drafted in leagues. Maybe Caleb Smith was, um, and maybe maybe Jose Urania was, but he's actually uh, on the 68 day injury list right now. Um, but yeah, the Marlins currently rank uh, seventh among all major league teams in combined ERA. Hmm. Uh, we t- we talked about it last week, or, or maybe it was the week before, but having so many good young arms, cost controlled arms, will probably lead this team. Uh, back near contention more quickly than than a lot of people anticipate. I I sort of discounted Yamamoto after his first start. So for him to go out and make history, actually, um, his first two starts being scoreless, uh, seven innings um, in each. Um, and I saw some some statistic. It's like seven uh, scoreless innings in each start with like fewer than five hits or five hits or fewer allowed or, or whatever. Like nobody's ever done that in their first two major yeah. league starts. Um, so really impressive. Doesn't have like the overpowering velocity. So I wonder about the staying power. Definitely has a nice assortment of pitches. Um, so maybe he can keep this going for a little while. But uh, Yamamoto gets the Phillies twice um, after up next and then he has the Braves after that so he's going to face some really 
uh, you know, tough tests. So we'll see how he does against those guys. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. I'm still a little bit hesitant to, to use him, even after these first two starts. Um, did you see that Blake Snell start Wednesday against the Yankees? <laughs> I was just kind of monitoring it on Twitter. But I mean, if you missed well. it, if you missed it, it's understandable because he only recorded one out while being charged with six runs. He walked four out of the seven batters he faced, also allowed two hits, including a three-run homer to Gary Sanchez. Uh, and Snow lasted just three and a third innings in his previous start against the Angels while allowing four runs. Um, three of them were earned. Um, he's now walked eight batters in his last three and two-thirds innings, um, which you don't want to see, obviously. Um, his ERA has jumped from 3.06 to 4.40 over the span of his last four starts. And, you know, I get the concern here, especially with the high price tag in drafts after winning the AL Cy Young Award. There's high expectations associated with that. But it sounds more like a sequencing thing with Snell. Um, he said after the game on Wednesday that he was frustrated he didn't attack more with his fastball. Um, and he has thrown his fastball uh, less often this year than he did last year. I know many pitchers are doing that, but still, it does seem like he was searching out there against a really tough offense and just couldn't find it, um, just couldn't command his pitches. Um, the velocity is still fine, really in line with what he had last year, so I wouldn't worry too much. Uh, Snell has a 4.40 ERA this year, like I said, but um, you look at FIP, it's 3.37. He has a 3.13 XFIP. So there's reason to believe things will get better. He actually has a higher strikeout percentage and swinging strike percentage than he had last year. Uh, so this could actually be a good time to ask around and buy low if there's a frustrated owner out there. I mean, the, the slider was really good for him last year, and it's, it's like been a bad pitch for him this year. So yeah. Hopefully it's just like a, a sequencing and field type of thing. But yeah, I mean, if ERA jumped from 3.70 to 4.40 in that outing on Wednesday. Yeah, crazy. Um, but but if, if you drafted Snell, you know, you, you keep starting him and hope for the best. Remember when we were talking about Chris Sale every week? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a forced hold, yes. There were some big uh, fantasy-relevant returns from the injured list this week, and there should be more on the way, starting with Giancarlo Stanton, who was activated by the Yankees on Tuesday after missing around 10 weeks with biceps, shoulder, and calf injuries. Uh, he hit four home runs in five rehab games, then went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts in his first game back with the Yankees on Tuesday night against the Rays, kind of typical Stanton stuff. I was given the day off Wednesday. We'll see what he do, what he does uh, on Thursday evening against the Astros. That should be an exciting series. Um, Stanton has been a bust kind of in fantasy this year. I mean, 18th overall pick in the average Yahoo league. Uh, but obviously that, that stems from him being injured uh, for over two months. And I would expect a lot of home runs and RBIs moving forward from him if he can stay healthy. Uh, he batted fifth in his first game back. I think that's probably where he'll settle in as long as he starts hitting some bombs here soon. Um, in other Yankees news, Aaron Judge, who was the 12th overall pick in the average Yahoo draft this spring, is scheduled to come off the injured list on Friday. He's missed the last eight weeks with a left oblique strain. He had a huge uh, opposite field home run in a rehab game earlier this week at AAA Scranton. Uh, so that was good to see. Just two for 16 overall so far in the minors. And I guess his rehab assignment has technically concluded. Um, he's getting an off day Thursday before returning on Friday. But what, what matters most is that he's healthy. The oblique is healed. Uh, Judge was off to a nice start before suffering that injury in late April. A 9.25 OPS, five home runs through 20 games. I think we can expect more of the same going forward. 
Uh, once that Yankees lineup is fully intact uh, with Gary Sanchez healthy and crushing the ball and Edwin Encarnacion now in the fold, I, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, yeah. crazy lineup. Um, Jose Altuve was activated by the Astros on Wednesday after missing more than five weeks with a left hamstring strain and also discomfort in his right knee, which he had surgically repaired last October. We've talked about this, uh, that Altuve owners probably shouldn't be expecting very, very many stolen bases the rest of the way. He has just one steal and three attempts this year. Uh, that element of his game was already on the decline, and, and given all these leg injuries that have stacked up, it's probably not worth the risk for him in a, in a real-life baseball sense to be trying to steal bases. But I think he's still a must-play, obviously. Uh, not not the first-round guy that he used to be, but decent home run output and lots of runs and RBIs and a good Astros lineup. He hit third in his first game back, could maybe hit leadoff from time to time. I, I'd expect the batting average to come way up from where it is right now. It's at 236. Uh, he hit 316 last year, 346 the year before. Um, he hasn't completely lost it yet. I think he'll have a really good second half. Um, George Springer should, should soon join Altuve on the Astros' active roster, probably sometime around the early to middle of next week. Uh, Springer was scheduled to begin a minor league rehab assignment Thursday night at AA Corpus, Christ, Corpus Christi. Uh, he's been out since May 25th with a grade two strain of his left hamstring Made a swell or relatively swift recovery from that, all, all things considered. That's a pretty severe injury. Uh, we were both pretty down on Springer in our positional preview episodes of this podcast that went up. We deleted those. They don't. <laughs> okay, <exist>. good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it made sense. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't run much anymore, and he finished with just 22 home runs last season. You know, figuring, hey, it's easy to find 20 homer outfielders these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was already at 17 home runs through 48 games when he landed on the IL in late May. Also, 43 RBIs and 41 runs scored uh, through those 48 eight games and a 308 batting average. So he's been just awesome across the board. Also, he had, had four stolen bases. So hopefully he can pick up right where he left off and, and keep proving us to be just useless podcast hosts. <laughs> um, and then finally, Hunter Dozier, a big breakout fantasy star through the first three months of the season, is almost ready to return to the Royals after missing the last three weeks of action with a chest injury. He's already begun. Uh, playing in minor league rehab games, but uh, somewhat complicating matter matters is that his wife is due to give birth any day now. I believe her due date was was Thursday. While while we're recording here, so uh, could be more toward the the middle to end of next week before he is officially activated. Uh, Dozier had batted three fourteen with a nine eighty seven OPS, eleven home runs, thirty three RBIs through his first fifty two games this season. Uh, one of the best waiver wire picks up pickups of the first half for sure with, with Dozier. So uh, I featured a bunch of outfielders in Thursday's waiver wire column. So I figured it made sense to go through some of them here because they are available in more than 50% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, And I know you mentioned Brendan Rodgers as like a post-hype guy earlier, but um, I think Jorge Soler is like the ultimate post-hype guy because he was first on the radar for us like way back in 2014 with the Cubs and, you know, performed really well initially, but it's, sort of been a combination of like injuries and underperformance since then. Um, last year, he actually got off to a pretty good start with the Royals before injuring his toe and essentially missed the rest of the year. Um, but so far this year, he's tied for fourth in the AL with 20 homers, ranks fifth with 52 RBIs. Um, you know, he strikes out a lot. So, you know, the batting average probably not going to be there. Uh, but the raw power is great. I mean, you look at things like hard hit percentage and average exit velocity. I mean, 
He rates very highly there. Um, it's a real chance he could hit 40 homers this year. I, I know you could say that with like a lot of players right now, including like Cattell Marte, but um, but there's no reason he shouldn't be rostered in over 50% of Yahoo leagues at this point. I don't think the power has ever really been in question. Uh, some of it's just been a matter of him staying on the field. So uh, he's managed to do that this year, and um, you know, fantasy owners are reaping the rewards if you if you've had him over the first three months of the season. Um, so another one here, Oscar Mercado with the Indians. And remember he came up last month in sort of that wave of prospects, like all in the same week. It was Austin Riley and Keston Hira and Brendan Rogers. Even Willie Calhoun uh, came up uh, with the Rangers and was really hitting well initially. Um, but, you know, thinking about all these guys, I mean, Austin Riley's obviously been out of this world amazing, but um, out of that, all out of the rest of that group, Mercado's probably been the best one. Um, he's hit 315 through 29 games so far. He's still on six bases. He's also uh, delivered on the power front. He's put up four homers. He scored 25 runs, driven in 13 runs. Um, he's been hitting uh, second in 11 straight games for the Indians. So uh, up near the top of that lineup, granted not a very good lineup, but still you'd rather have him there than in the bottom third of the lineup, which is where he was for, for quite a while. And these numbers are pretty consistent with what we saw in AAA to begin the year. Um, maybe not with as much patience, but um, you know, chipping in on the power front, I think the most important thing is getting speed. So even if the batting average comes down a little bit, which it probably will, um, you know, if he could steal some bases for you, contribute in other areas, I mean, he can be a really uh, useful fantasy outfielder. Um, and again, available in more than half of Yahoo leagues. Um, final one here, Brian Reynolds with the Pirates. And yeah, where did this dude come from? I know, it's crazy. <laughs> and actually came over in the Andrew McCutcheon trade with the Giants. And, um, you know, I was a little disappointed at the return package there for McCutcheon. Or I guess if you're a Pirates yeah. fan, you were probably disappointed. But, um, you know, he's done nothing but hit in the minor leagues. Maybe not so much for power. Um, but has been a regular 300 hitter in the minors. He had a 312 batting average in all through the minor leagues. Um, and then so far this year, 362. He has six homers, 26 RBIs, 31 runs scored in 53 games. Hit a go-ahead three-run homer against the Tigers on Wednesday, and he deserves to play. I mean, I know that Pirates outfield is, is super crowded, but Gregory Polanco coming back from shoulder surgery just hasn't looked good. Um, you know, Starling Marte will be in there, yes, uh, they have Corey Dickerson, but maybe he's a trade candidate. Um, Melky Cabrera is there as well. But with the way Reynolds is hitting, granted with a 446 batting average on balls in play, that's going to come down. Um, but I think this is one of those things where, you know, you got to ride the wave until he struggles, you know. Um, yep. He's also been hitting the ball really hard. His hard hit rate is top 20 in the majors, according to fan graphs. So, yeah, the batting average on balls and plays high, but he's earned it to an extent and deserves a chance to prove that, you know, he can stick as a regular. So uh, I think it's about time he gets more attention. And, and it seems like the Pirates are willing to give him that opportunity. Um, he's hitting second in the Pirates lineup right now. So that's a pretty good place to be uh, with some of the bats behind him. Josh Bell, of course. Yeah, Mercado, back to him, 210 career stolen bases in the minors. So that's something to lean on with the speed and I mean, I think that the batting average so far and the power have just been bonuses. I, I think we, we both kind of um, 
we're sort of nonchalant about his call up, but you're right. He's, he's really been the most valuable of them, at least fantasy wise. I guess Austin Riley would be up there, but he's regressed somewhat. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to see the White Sox call up catching prospect Zach Collins this week. Um, his prospect stock had actually fallen somewhat over the last couple of years. He was a former first round pick, a top 100 prospect guy at one point. Um, but he put up an 855 OPS with nine home runs and 39 RBIs through 50 games this season at AAA Charlotte. And Wellington Castillo is on the injury list currently with no oblique strain. So there's an opportunity here for Collins to get some playing time in the majors. He's 24 years old, so uh, doesn't have much really left to prove in the minors. Um, James McCann is actually having a really good year at catchers for the, for the White Sox. But Collins can DH some and play some first base. White Sox manager Rick Renteria has said he wants to get him playing time while he's up. So maybe worth taking a look in deeper mixed leagues, AL only format, uh, though he probably will be sent back down when Castillo returns. I think he's a name to watch for in the future, though, if he continues to progress offensively. Uh, put up big time power numbers in college at Miami, was the 10th overall pick in 2016. Um, has had some issues making contact as, as he moved up the minor league ranks, but there's raw power there. Um, we can't say that for many catchers, though I guess there have been some surprises in that regard this year. James McCann being one, Brian McCann being another, uh, Mitch Garver. Uh, I can list a few more. We should re-rank our, our catchers in an episode one of these weeks just to see how, how weird it gets. Robinson Chirinos has had a good year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to get into a player who didn't quite fit into my outfielder topic right now, but uh, since you were mentioning the White Sox, Man, I hope you were patient with Aloy Jimenez because he sure looks like something special. Jimenez was hitting 205 less than a month ago, but he's perked up by hitting 328 with six homers, four doubles, and 16 RBIs over his last 18 games. He had a two homer, six RBI game against the Yankees last Friday and had the go ahead homer against the Cubs on Tuesday. Of course, the Cubs swapped Jimenez to the White Sox for Jose Quintana, so something extra special behind that for multiple reasons, obviously. Along with that uptick in power, Jimenez has done a better job making contact and drawing walks, um, sort of consistent with what we saw in the minors. Uh, He wasn't someone who struck out a ton. Um, And of course, Jimenez rates highly in terms of average exit velocity and hard hit percentage. According to Baseball Savant, he's in the 82nd percentile for average exit velocity, and he's 81st percentile for hard hit percentage. So you have to love that with a burgeoning power bat. Uh, Jimenez is going to be a beast, so... I certainly hope you waited that out. Yeah, I mean, he was the number three prospect in baseball coming into the year, so hopefully hopefully you waited out the slow start and the injury because mm-hmm. um, you're getting a return now. Um, I wasn't very optimistic about Padres pitching prospect Logan Allen finding immediate success in the majors. He had a 5.15 ERA, 1.44 whip through 13 starts this season at AAA El Paso. Uh, prior to his call-up on, on Tuesday and was squaring off against a good and deep Brewers lineup in his first big league start. Uh, but he rose to the challenge in a major way through seven scoreless innings and a 4-1 win for San Diego, um, scattered three hits and two walks while striking out five, uh, made it through those seven scoreless innings on, on just 90 total pitches. Um, I, I watched part of that start. I, I think he looked really good. Fastball was in the low to mid-90s, good changeup, good slider, threw a couple of curveballs. El Paso Stadium is at elevation, about 3,700 feet above sea level. Um, so not quite course field, but but pretty high up there. Um, and, and again, AAA is using MLB baseballs now, which sh- sure seem to fly. 
Um, so that all might help explain his disappointing results there at the AAA level. He was a top 75 prospect coming into the year. Uh, had a 2.54 ERA and 151 strikeouts in 148 innings last season between AA and AAA. Uh, Notice that innings total count from last year, 148, which means he shouldn't have the workload restrictions of, of some other young Padres starter, namely Chris Paddock. Um, so the Padres might lean on Allen for a little bit uh, to, to eat some innings, and I think he has the stuff to have some success. Uh, his next start will be against the Orioles, who will have the worst record and run differential in the majors at negative 171. Hmm. Um, Allen is still available in a ton of leagues. I was able to pick him up in a, in a couple of 12 team leagues actually today, uh, you know, two days removed from his really good debut. So he can, he's out there. Um, I know you're a wrestling fan, DJ. Did you see that story about Logan Allen and John Cena? I did see that. And he was in the yeah. stands for his debut. Um, oh, was he there for his debut? I, I knew that he showed up the next day to present him with that dollar. I thought he was in the stands for the debut. There was like a he met him randomly in a restaurant, and like yeah. he he did like a dollar bet that he wouldn't make the majors, and right. then he gave him the dollar. I guess I don't know if it was on his debut night or what, but I did see him sitting in the stands this week. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, for like a big time star like uh, John Cena to come, I'm not that you complain to come to. San Diego, but but still, it's a cool story. Um, yeah. And speaking of Chris Paddock, he's slated to make his return from the minors this Saturday against the Pirates. So uh, make sure to get him active uh, now that he's back. Hopefully no more long breaks, but I guess you never know. A um, couple of quick closer notes before we go. Wade Davis has looked rough since returning from his oblique strain earlier this month. He managed to hang on for a save Wednesday against the Diamondbacks, but he gave up a homer along the way. He's now allowed eight runs on 11 hits and three walks over five and a third, third inning since coming back from the injured list. He blew a pair of saves against the Padres last weekend, so there are plenty of warning signs here, whether it's you know still the oblique nagging or just poor pitching in general. Uh, Davis did have a nice ERA to begin the year prior to landing on the injured list, but he had 10 walks and 14 and two-thirds innings during that time. So, you know, with Coors Field as the backdrop, there's been reason for concern all along. So I'm just saying I think it would be smart to keep Scott Oberg stashed just in case Davis continues to struggle or might still be hurt. So keep that in mind. Another noteworthy thing here, Michael Lorenzen has notched each of the last two save chances for the Reds. And this is a continuation of what was discussed over the winter in regard to how the Reds plan to use Rasiel Iglesias, it's not like he's been demoted from the closer role or anything, but the Reds aren't afraid to use Iglesias in creative ways where they deem the situation necessary. And we've seen that this week on, on two situations. Iglesias entered for a possible five-out save on Monday against the Astros. He recorded three outs uh, while walking two before Lorenzen got the final two outs. Um, then Iglesias notched the last two outs in the eighth inning on Tuesday before Lorenzen got a traditional three-out save in the ninth. So it's unclear where this is headed, and I still think Iglesias remains the best bet for saves, but I don't think there's anything wrong on speculating on Lorenzen if he's out there, especially because Lorenzen's really good. Had a good year last year, has been excellent so far this year, so he's going to help you in ratios. Um, So if you have the roster spot, it makes a lot of sense because it certainly seems that the Reds want to use Iglesias and some of these higher leverage spots, just basically using their best reliever. So um, it's a headache for fantasy owners, I think, but uh, Lorenzen could make for a smart ad. 
And and Craig Kimbrell was awesome in his uh, AAA Iowa debut on Tuesday. Threw a one two three inning on just eight pitches, smashed the strikeout in there. Um, he's going to throw again Friday, and then I think he'll do back to back Friday, Saturday, um, and then maybe one more appearance at, at Iowa. And I think he'll be up in the Cubs bullpen ar- around the middle to end of next week. So something to look forward to for people of Craig Kimbrell owners who have been so patient. With. Yes. All right, so that will do it for this week. Uh, If you like what you're hearing with this show, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and also leave a review if you don't mind. Be sure to follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short, Drew's at Drew Sill, and we'll see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.